I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are extremely good listeners, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? I thought we could talk today about your history as kind of a teenage scam artist. Do you want to kind of elaborate on that? Yeah. So I was thinking about topics and, and I think that the statute of limitations on this has, has passed by by a long time. Yeah. I don't think you're in any trouble of getting like yeah. arrested or anything. I don't think so. This is a very long time ago. But yeah, I had a scam going to get free CDs when I was a teenager. I think we can say you had it going with your friend. I think we can name your friend. My friend Dan. And so my friend yeah. Dan and... uh he got introduced to it but by someone else, you know, it was, this was, you know, pre-message boards, you know, word of mouth. And yeah. um, we were told if you go to Borders and you return a book, you don't need a receipt and they will give you the price on the jacket. And wow. Borders sells CDs. They had like a huge music section. So they were like, you can get books, return them and buy CDs. So we were like, OK, let's try this. So we would go to this Walden Books down the street and they'd have like <laughs> five hardcover books on sale for 20 bucks, like on these table. And we would buy five books for 20 bucks. We would drive like a few blocks down to Borders, return the books and get like $100 in store credit and buy like, I'm sure our guests today will know, like we used to get these import CDs. They were so expensive. I mean, it was like, you know, like a Bell and Sebastian import had like three songs. It had like, it was like $30. <laughs> so, um, and they had, they had all kinds of stuff. They had Gigi Allen imports. They had all kinds of like imported CDs. They had a really well curated 
music section. This was obviously like pre-streaming. So we would all the time go to Walden Books, buy just whatever random book, go to Borders. And so I, I was extra paranoid. I actually had a fake ID um, that some guy <laughs> had given me. And they would take down your name when you did the return. And I was so paranoid that I was like, they're going to, someone at Borders Corporate is going to check the names, <laughs> be like, this Jonah Bayer guy is returning a lot of books. And so I started using this fake ID to return books. And that's sort of where things started to fall apart. Okay, okay. Now, just quickly, did Dan also use a fake ID or were no. you kind of the... Okay. I happened to have one and it was a really bad one. Okay. But I was so paranoid. But the, the fake ID wasn't essential. It was just like an extra step of security for me. Right, 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 But right. it turned out to be my downfall. Yeah, I can see this. Yeah. So what happened was we're doing it. We're, you know, we're, we're racking up these CDs. I got tons of CDs. And we go one day and my friend Matt's sister is a manager at this Borders. I didn't realize. So I go and I remember the book I'm returning and I looked it up. And it's called <laughs> The Corporate Closet, The Professional Lives of Gay Men in America. It's from 1993. And it's a book about basically gay men, h- how they handle their sexuality in corporate culture, which, by the way, 1993, probably a very important book. Right. And, right. you know, not to trivialize a book, but probably not something like a teenager watching skateboarding videos is going to be just like reading. You know, it was, it was right. literally just like whatever right. was on this Walden book sale table. So, yeah. so I bring the book up. I got my fake ID. <laughs> I, you know, I got some kind of, you know, some kind of weird European import CD that I'm, I'm ready to get into. And during the process, my friend Matt's sister, who's a manager, goes, oh, hey, Jonah. And the guy doing the return looks at the ID. That's, that the ID was Paul. And this guy looked nothing <laughs> like me. And she, and they're, they're like, why is, why is this ID say your name is Paul? And <laughs> okay, I remember how the story ends. And it's really as funny. any teenager would do in, in a tough situation. I said, hold on. I forgot something in my car and I just left. <laughs> and I remember my friend Matt, whose sister worked there, being like, yeah, my sister said you came into the store today, tried to return some weird book with a fake ID. And then when she asked you about it, you just left. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, like, you know, and, and that was basically the end of it. I think like eventually Borders started needing receipts for stuff like every other store. Right. And, uh... And then Borders went out of business <laughs> and Walden Books went out of business. You know, the legality of it to me was always questionable because um, in a way, you know, we could have gotten these books as a gift and we're just returning them. We're like, maybe maybe we got this as a gift and they were bought at Borders. We don't know. Right. And so we well, felt like there was always that gray area. And to be fair, you were actually really supporting Walden Books. Like you were buying a lot That's of... That's true books and stuff from them. So you were you were really big supporters of them. Look, Borders... If that's their policy, they're kind of... Yeah. They wouldn't give you back money, right? Like, they would no, only give you store no, credit. No, only store okay, credit. Okay, so, yeah. But I definitely think, like, some of the workers would see, like, us returning all these books on, like, woodworking or these random subjects and then just buying a bunch of CDs. Like, something sure seemed off, but I think there was nothing they could do until they figured it out, and then, and then that was it. But I think I was too paranoid about it, and I think using, you know, a, yeah. an, a- an alias really is what, what, what showed me up. Yeah. And just to say, thinking about the day that you got caught, there's other reasons you could have felt flustered and left. You know, you might have actually bought that book from Borders and been like really interested in corporate lifestyle for someone who is in the closet and then using an ID because you didn't want to, you know what I mean? And so there's a lot of reasons, but um, she probably knew that it was just because you were pulling a scam. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
And yeah, I've never talked about that publicly. So um, maybe wow. other people were doing it. Maybe no one else was doing it. Maybe it was like, uh, who knows? But it's 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 nostalgic because it's of a time that will never happen again. Yeah. And if anyone, you know, comes after us, we'll say this is a story. Yeah, it's just a story. <laughs> never really happened. And uh, I do not not condone uh, stealing or no. doing anything illegal. So today on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. When we started doing this podcast, this was one of the first people um, we, we we dreamed of getting. He's a drummer, a comedy writer. He, as a musician, you know him was his work in Superchunk, The Mountain Goats, Bob Mould. He's also known for appearing in The Best Show with Tom Sharpling, where he plays amazing characters like Philly Boy Roy, a Bayer favorite. Let's give it up for John Worcester. Hello! Hey, John. Hi, how's John. it going? Hi. Good to be here. We're so excited to have you. We're such huge fans and um, couldn't be more thrilled. Well, thank you. Right back at both of you. <laughs> thank you. So, John, did that did that border story bring up any any memories for you? Well, f- first, let me say <laughs> I, I, I'm allergic to being in trouble. So <laughs> so for me to do anything willfully like like criminal, I, I, I can't I can't do it. Like yeah. I'm still, I still have anxiety and guilt about. Um, I I was rehearsing with this was this was over 25 years ago. I was rehearsing with a band in Athens, Georgia called Magna Pop. Their drummer had to leave or something, so I was I was about to do a tour with them, and I was staying at one of their houses, and I I backed out of their driveway after the final day of rehearsal to uh, to go home to Chapel Hill, and I didn't see this parked car behind me who was their neighbor's car and i hit it and i left i never i never did like i never left the note or anything and i still anything that bad happens to me i th- i think it's retribution for gotcha for that so so uh i i've all, all i only ever stole something once in my life and it was a pack of uh chewing tobacco from this general store <laughs> across the cornfield from where i grew up and of course i got instantly sick on it so maybe that was my first lesson in 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 the karmic uh realities of uh of breaking the law so but i love your story i love that you had the had the uh the guts to uh engineer a scam like that it's very impressive thank you thank you thank you (laughs) i'm like you john i i'm the same way i get so freaked out when i do anything like that and stuff like that i will remember even to the point where like Sometimes if I get something for free, like, like, you know, if I'm charged the wrong amount or something, I have to say something to them. And on the off chance, I don't because it's like, you know, I've had like food delivery stuff where they, this one restaurant always gives me like double what I order. And so I'll like get on the phone with like one of the food delivery things and I'll, or like, I'll be doing like the automatic, like typing, like trying to get them to see. I'm like, I just want to make sure it's not someone else's food that I got, you know what I mean? And it's like, after like a half hour, I'm like, I think I just have to like, let this go (laughs) but like i will put myself really through the ringer trying to like straighten that stuff out because it does it really stresses me out and jonah i bet you get stressed out about that stuff too i do i really do i can't think of a specific example but i do get like that now but i think when i was a teenager you know like your brain is not fully developed i think (laughs) that i had such a lack of not to give myself a pass i would never do something like that now but i think it was like I didn't really think things through as evidenced by like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just going to go in my car and drive home. Like that will be my solution <laughs> to, to this. I don't know how to answer this. So I'm just going to leave. Those are my favorite stories. Like, uh, and they, they're kind of the basis of a lot of the best show calls are, are just people that, that have an idea like that. <laughs> and, 
and it gets bigger and bigger and the lie gets bigger and bigger and, and until it consumes them there's there's this great uh ESPN 30 for 30 on this guy that he he claimed to to be a, a multimillionaire and he ended up buying the um what are they called the um the the Islanders hockey team so this is back i think in the 80s and complete scam and he tells the story of like being so far into the scam where he's basically he's getting out of a day of 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 being found out like the day he's going to be found out he 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 has to submit this check for like whatever 3 million dollars to the the owners of the, the the owners of the Islanders and he just decides well I'll just make it $3000 and just say <laughs> that it's a mistake and so every day he, oh he said, every morning I would get up and I would hear the grandfather clock in my house just ticking and I just knowing this is going to be the day I'm going to get found out. I need to think of something just to get through this day. I just, I just, stories like that, it's so alien to how I live that it, they're just so fascinating. Like, uh, what makes someone do that and then can, and then double down and continue? I, I guess you just can't get out of it. Yeah. Until you're yeah. arrested. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's fascinating. Oh my oh god! My yeah, gosh. I mean, I was curious, John. Like, how do you? Because we were just listening to to um <laughs> to an episode this morning, Brian and Silverlake on uh the best show. I mean, how do you come up with all these characters? Because there is kind of a, a commonality, but they're all so kind of different at the same time. Just to say to people who are unfamiliar, uh, John calls into the best show with Tom Sharpling a lot. They they and he plays different characters and he talks to Tom in different accents and stuff, and it's truly. It's it's really one of the funniest things in the world. But anyway, so uh, yes, John, how do you come up with these characters? Well, the stories come first, like the actual uh, idea for, and they're they're almost I would say eighty percent of them are based in some way on a real life experience. And that's what that's what I, I love about about touring in bands is that every day's something new and and stupid, like every. You you meet someone that's that's you know as nuts as you are or worse and or or I'll misread a sign or something and that will just plant an idea of oh what if that did exist what if there was something like that but I think the basis for a lot of the calls that Tom and I do is is that un unwarranted confidence that people have. Un, unearned, unearned <laughs> confidence. To me, that's endlessly fascinating. And so, but we're kind of living in a world where that's that's actually getting you somewhere. The, right. You know, you you just you really do. These people are faking it until I guess they go to jail. But so that's a lot of it. A lot of it is from real life experiences, and and we'll just we'll just kind of come up with an idea, a way to make it a call, and then you know we'll just kind of turn it in into a story and it. This call usually ends up with me getting arrested or killed. <laughs> Can you give an example of like a real life story and how it translated into a character? Just curious, just because we're so fascinated by this. Well, Philly Boy Roy, who who's oh. sort of like I, I guess the one I'm known for most. Uh, uh, he's 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 based on a lot of real people that I've known over my life from Philly. Some some are relatives, so I can't really right. get that deep. But but um, uh, I'll just say there's one particular relative who. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> embodies what what I said earlier, a and uh, so so often I'll sort of channel that person's 
thing um, in, in, into the call. But but um, I, I'm trying to think of like a like a real life experience that that uh, that ended up like that. Um, oh, one, one time I was coming out of the supermarket um, here in Chapel Hill, and I hear this woman, this older woman, scream. And I, I have my cart. She has her cart. And I guess she slipped or something. So she's probably in her in her late seventies, and she's laying there in in the <laughs> in the parking lot. And it's it's something I don't see ever. So like there was a moment of like I look at her, I look in her eyes, and, I go, and I'm just like kind of frozen for like a millisecond. Like oh my god, you don't see that every day. And she looks at me and and is angry and goes, "Help me up." <laughs> and, and so so that became a call where I, I helped someone and they were so mad at me that I decided to not help them <laughs> at, at the last second. So that became a whole thing. Um, we did a call. I don't want to get in too much trouble. But the, the other other I think it was two weeks ago, we did a call where I, I played a guy and he, he reveals at the end that uh, he's, he has these neighbors uh, who drives a motorcycle and it's very loud and he goes up and down the street and eventually I called the cops on him several times and eventually he goes speeding up my road and it's very late. So no one else is around and he gets in an accident and I, um, I came up to him and, and, uh, he wanted my help. And I, and I, I, and I, I leaned over and I said, you shouldn't have been driving that fucking fast. You, you, you know, what do you think you're doing? And, and, and I left him there. <laughs> And so, so that's that. That was like that was inspired by a, a real neighbor who I would never do that to. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but uh, so so that's an example of of like something that just kind of makes its way uh, in, into a, into a call that's torn from the pages of real life. And uh, I just hope that that teenager is not listening right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting because <laughs> Vanessa. Growing up, did a lot of I don't want to give Vanessa in trouble, but did a lot of impressions of family members. I feel like were some of, and teachers were some of your first impressions. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's who you're around all the time and you're right. observing them so much. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I know we've talked about the Philly connection because we have a lot of Philadelphia, you know, family in Philly and um, and the time that we had our grandmother call her friend and we recorded her friend <laughs> talking okay. about and, potatoes. And we send it to you, John, because we just I remember believe. that. Yeah. It's a yeah. real thing. Yeah, and what, when you're talking about the unearned confidence, um, I was thinking about me and John sometimes send each other articles from this website, Blabbermouth, which is like yes. a metal, like rock site, and it's it's some of the headlines on the site are sound like skits. I mean, it sounds like it's not even based in reality, right? Like there, you know, like it, it is it is crazy how much of this stuff actually exists, kind of in our culture at this point. Like that attitude, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's just. Uh... Ultimately, it shows other people that they can do it, too, or they should do it, too. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I don't think anyone should do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, John, you have some really interesting... I wanted to ask you, you have some really interesting, like, hashtag, um, like, uh, things that you do on social media, on Instagram. You have hashtag rock and roll weirdness and hashtag my new worst friend. How did those, do you want to talk about those for a second and how those yeah. came up? Because I feel like in some way, they're kind of an extension of what you're talking about of people, especially the, my wor worst friend is like people being so confident, so confidently doing something so abhorrent, <laughs> or disgusting. Yeah, it's, cr it's crazy. Um, I, 
I, I honestly at this point don't know when it started, when my new works <laughs> friend started. It feels like like it's just been it's part of my existence from day one at this point, even though it's probably only been five years. One thing that really surprises me is, is basically I, I get sent these signs every day that people see. Uh-huh. And they're all like vaguely sexual in in a way where you know the person that made the sign has no idea that it's sexual. And and half the time they're religious too. Like I get a lot of these church marquees, uh-huh. you know, and, and they all have the word come in them. Uh, you know, like let the Lord come in you. Th- that sort of thing. And yeah. so so th- I guess it's the there's a level of obliviousness too that I I, I really appreciate. Yeah. And, yeah. And lack of awareness. So so I think that that all plays into it. But but ever since I started that hashtag, it's like it's become clear that 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 sort of thing just has permeated all of society at this point. It's like there's those of us that 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 know that that what you that this is sexually offensive what you've just paid someone to to make into a sign. And then there's this other portion of society that that I guess their minds aren't in the gutter like like ours. So, right, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> totally. Seriously. And the rock and roll weirdness is just something I've always been interested in. Like I I, I love you know you, uh, there are these bands where, bands and artists where they're just kind of synonymous with one like a specific instrument or a specific thing, and you it, it's rare to see them outside of that bubble. Like the first the, the Rock and Roll Weirdness number one was uh, Malcolm Young, who who uh, was the rhythm guitarist in ACDC, and he he was synonymous with this specific model of guitar, Gretsch guitar, and it was a picture of him playing live with a, a Fender Telecaster, which is very uh, unlike him. I guess all the spares were out of tune at, at that show or something, so that he got that. But uh, so I, I love stuff like that, and and I was kind of surprised it took off because. It just feels like 0.02% of the population would find it interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> well, and a lot of times it's like certain musicians with other musicians that you would just never think they would hang out with. Those are yes. some of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. And maybe you guys have this. I, I came from a time where um, everything was vi- was pretty, pretty factionalized. Like I didn't. I, I had no affinity for heavy metal. So when like punk and metal kind of mixed, not that's not my world. Like I, I didn't like it. I still don't approve of it. But uh, <laughs> uh, but um, so so like stuff like that where you know you would never see whoever, whatever D. Snyder with uh, the singer from Millions of Dead Cops or something like that. But right, right. But I, but, but I I think now that there's way less baggage now. Everything. All the lines are blurred, and I think in I think in a good way where they're like, I don't know if kids today have that chip on their shoulder about stuff like, like I think I think kids today they don't have the baggage of of us where oh flock of seagulls suck yeah right you know what right. I mean you know right like, flock of seagulls kind of don't suck anymore and and I think a kid today will just hear it as music whereas whatever I I, I didn't like heavy metal because the kids in my high school I thought were were assholes. Yeah. So it's it's tainted for me. It still is, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it is it is literally my favorite thing and maybe my favorite thing in comedy when you do something like Dan Rather being the original bassist in Minor Threat or something. I mean, it is just so <laughs> yeah. funny. Just I can't. We we love the the idea. One of the funniest things for me is someone knowing something they shouldn't know about. Like <laughs> 
like we've done that forever where oh yeah trump has a band uh <laughs> yeah barack obama has has a hardcore band and but he he wanted to be on discord but he ian doesn't even though they are in dc he doesn't <laughs> feel that they're a real dc band so he's not going to put it out so i just love or springsteen being so upset about like he's so frugal that he has a job when he gets off tour. Like he works at Pet, at pet Boys. Like to me, to me, that's the funniest. Just it's so stupid that it's it's great. Yeah, so that's yeah, me. yeah. That, and the other thing that you do that I love so much, and I think Tuna Weeds is when you talk about a TV show that that only aired once and make it sound so insane. The final moments of Archie Bunker, where he's he's sent to the electric chair. They only aired it once. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with John Worcester. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Luci. Chia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we're back. John, by the way, I just got a promo of the new Super Chunk record. There's a new record coming out. We should mention that. Yes. Coming out uh, February 25th, uh, Wild Loneliness, recorded under unusual circumstances. We we did, uh, it was all recorded in, in house, in homes, in our homes. No, wow. uh, no, no studio involved as far as I know. In separate homes. I would go over to Mac, our, our, our main guy's uh, basement. Maybe once a week or so, I'd learn a song. He would do demos, and I would learn a song for that week on the drums. And I would go over, and I would record the drums. He has a nice Pro Tools set up in his basement. And I would go and, and do the drums. And then uh, Jim would come over and uh, 
do his guitar, and then I think he would send it to Laura, and Laura would do that at her base at her home. So it was all we were never in the same room, but 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 it sounds good. We got the guy that mixed um our '95 album. Um, here's where the strings come in to mix it, and he did a fabulous job of making it sound like a real band in in a, in a real studio. Great, so, great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I interviewed Mac recently about his um, solo album, and I think he did a lot of it at, at that at his house too. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, and obviously John uh, plays with so many amazing artists. I really wanted to just really quickly, um, before we get in the topic, talk about Bob Mole because I'm such a huge, huge fan, and I know you're such a huge music fan. Yeah. And what's it sort of like? Like, I guess my question for you is like, if I was on tour with with Bob, I feel like I would be asking him so many questions about who's going to do. Are you like that, or do you kind of play it cool because you're more like peers? Oh no, I ask him everything. <laughs> um, oh, it's like it's like being a Beatles fan and and being you know playing with a, 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 any of the Beatles. So yeah, my, one of my favorite moments was we we played on on Letterman, and the next day we had a show somewhere. Maybe we were going to uh, Toronto or something. So so we were driving maybe maybe four hours after after doing Letterman, and the entire ride, I just. I was going through the Husker Du wiki and just asking him to name as many songs off each album as he could. <laughs> and, and it was great because there were a bunch he didn't know, uh, you know, on uh, on the early records. And he he's not a guy that really looks back that much. So I'm sure I was annoying at first, but I think I think eventually he got he got to appreciate it and. Uh, I think at one point he said something like, you know, when we're all gone, you're going to be the only guy with these stories. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, to, to, to get to play those songs, you know, that, that was such a big part of my formative years. And I, I still listen to Husker Du and Sugar and his solo records just for, for pleasure. So to get to, to play those songs is, it, you know, is incredible. Yeah, I can't imagine. And it all started with your first drum set, which is our topic today, First Instruments. Um, yes. And John, could you talk a little bit, you sent some great photos of it, of, of kind of your first kit and how, it's, how it all started? Basically, I, I always had um, a an interest in the drums. The drums for a child, it's like, it's, it's like a sp- like a like a sports car almost, like a toy car. Like it's because there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's very... You know, it, it it's mesmerizing to a kid, and so I was always just mesmerized by the drummers, and um, I must have been like you know playing with pencils or something, you know. And and my parents got me this toy drum kit for out of the Sears catalog, and um, but it, it's like a it, it's a it, seriously a, a toy kit. Like the, the the heads were actually paper and stuff. But when you're a child, you don't hit that hard, so you're not going to break them. So. I'm sure I futzed around on that when I, I probably got it when I was seven or eight. And uh, by chance, I, f- I found a, a, uh, a pristine version of the same drum kit at, at my friend Darren Hill's uh, shop called called Pop. In, uh, he, he has the, the greatest vintage shop on earth in Providence. And um, <laughs> he had a just a pristine copy of this kit from back then. So I bought it and it it lives there as a, I guess as an art piece uh, in the store still, but but uh, the great thing about this kit is it's got a photo on the bass drum of three guys from the probably their early seventies playing in a band, and they're they're probably in their early twenties, so they're they're grown adults, but the drummer is playing the child's drum kit in the photo, <laughs> so 
so it's it's just like it's very bizarre and i'm sure i was just i I would think about that photo as much as i thought about the actual drums back then like this poor guy has to sit at this he's 20 but he's sitting at this drum kit for a seven-year-old Anyway, I'm I'm sure I, that kid didn't last long. And then on my twelfth birthday, I came home from playing. This, this is a a term that will, I'm sure, does not exist anymore. I played midget football, which which was a uh, football league for pre teens. So I was I was twelve, and I got home from a big game on my birthday, October thirty first, nineteen seventy eight, I guess. So I, I get home from this big game where I was I was the captain, and I got to call the the coin flip because it was my birthday and there's a drum kit there like a better drum kit which was still kind of bad but but it was like a real drum kit and so i i i must have played that for at least two years and and then i got a better drum kit when i was 14 and that's the drum kit i had for my, my my punk rock years but um i still can't believe that my family put up with me playing the it, it's that that's like the big key besides being being kind of born i think drummers are born as drummers i think it's just something that's in you but you need parents who can support that and not just shut it down cuz there's probably so many great drummers out there who were just shut down by their parents who just couldn't take the noise yeah you know? oh for sure so ultimate love and respect for my parents for for that absolutely but the worst the worst thing would have been had I given up like like what if I just stopped playing at 20 after subjecting everyone in the neighborhood to that <laughs> right. drumming for like 7 years. Oh, right. Can you yeah. imagine? Oh, yeah, I mean, me. well our our dad was a drummer, right? He played the yeah, drums, our dad but then drums. he kind of did what you're talking about. I think he probably stopped around when he went to college, so his family, yeah. I don't even remember him talking about the that aspect of it of the the loudness of it although i sure do remember jonah's bands in our basement playing so yeah. loud yeah what were these what were these bands called okay uh first one was plug plug we were really that was more of like a um i've talked about on this podcast we got kicked out uh, uh, kicked out of doing a talent show at our high school because our singers started a mosh pit and, and spit on someone in the audience <laughs> yes. uh we we're yeah that was you know we did a lot of misfits covers that band then i was in a band called DAF militia, which <laughs> stood okay. for drunk as fuck. But yes. I think that me and the, the other guy in the band were straight edge at the time. I was going to say, was that around your I think straight, it was straight edge? edge but, and then I was in a band. Then I moved into more hardcore bands. I was in a band called Provoke. I was in a band called Do Respect, D U E Respect. I was in the, some of the band names are, are pretty pretty good. All right, so you had DAF in your in your name. I I always struggled with this with, this with my parents, where I can't tell them the full name of this thing like i, I can't yeah. say yeah yeah we're going to open for a band called useless pieces of shit and uh, <laughs> so so what what did you tell them what it stood for i don't remember i mean i don't remember i, I bet we, you didn't i bet you i didn't i bet you i didn't i i mean i think i was always in these like different punk bands with all these other kids from other schools so i don't know how much my parents were even in the loop of like what what i was doing at that point once yeah. i had a car you know what i mean Right. But yeah. My grandmother um thought or assumed that I was in an orchestra. <laughs> like she would <laughs> she was like ask how the orchestra was. How it was doing and then uh, oh it was great. It's great. <laughs> what were some of your early <laughs> early band names? Uh first band was Hair Club for Men and I uh this was a- 81 we were we were 
half original, half covers, but we would cover like songs the Ramones covered. So like, Do You Want to Dance, uh, okay. Let's Dance, stuff like that. Uh, Plasmatics uh, song that they covered uh, by uh, by Babby, uh, Bobby Darren. And, and our originals were kind of like the police, sort of. And it's funny, I just reconnected with the singer for the band after not seeing him for probably 40 years. We played in... Uh, wow. Wow. Mountain Goats played in... in um, New Haven a couple weeks ago, and and he came, so that was great. Uh, and then after that was the the Automatics, and then um, uh, Psychotic Norman was the first kind of real band I played in, where I actually I would drive into the city and and rehearse, and and uh, and we would play shows with. Um, we opened for uh, uh, the Minutemen a couple months before D Boone died. Uh, wow, suicidal tendencies. So this is like eighty eighty three to eighty five. Those were the. The three bands before I, I moved to North Carolina in early 86 and joined this band called The Right Profile, which was kind of like a, a roots rock band that ended up getting signed by uh, by Clive Davis of just a few months after I joined. So that's wow. a whole other it's a whole other thing. Wow. So, yeah. so much to your career, John. It's it's hard to hard to keep track. Van- Vanessa, you you started on a piano, not to not to leave you out of this music combo. Yeah, well, we both we got a piano when we were younger. We both played piano. That was probably both of our first in- instrument, Jonah. I think I played for a little bit longer than you, but you kind of came back. You, you, you then started playing other instruments whereas I, I I wish I still played piano, but I played for like a lot of years, I had some really cr- like interesting piano teachers. Like I, you know, because you end up going to their houses. One one of them, my teachers collected out. Like I remember, I would wait. She was like kind of mean, and I would just wait in her um. <laughs> like in the lobby with our mom and they were just like look at these owls and then she would like kind of get mad at me for not like practicing enough and then I went to like my friend Carrie Schloss's teacher who was like way more quirky and just like didn't care if I pra- like was like way nicer but it is like I think and then there was another like I just do I do remember the overarching theme was that they would be so mad if you weren't practicing a lot. Like it was just yeah. like, it was just like going in there and they could tell if you hadn't practiced. And it was like, well, you're completely fucked if you didn't practice. Like they're going to know. And I was also generally like a good kid. So like I wasn't used to being like in trouble, but I would just like go to because pe- I was like, I have other stuff to do. I can't like be practicing yeah. piano all the time. No, if you're not into it too, it, it's torturous. Like you know, yeah. uh, I was lucky that I, I like the drums, but but still, when you start when you're a kid, you know, you you're on, on a little drum pad. So like, there's no, there's none of the the uh, the fireworks, you know, of like a drum kit. So it's it's very frustrating, and it's it's no wonder most most people don't don't stick with anything. You know, it's yeah. just like it's not it's not fun at first. It's got to be exactly. Fun. I remember I got my first guitar when I was probably about thirteen at this place. This really, this place that ended up, I guess, being like a drug front, actually. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, I think my first nice guitar I bought from them was a Les Paul Studio. I'm pretty sure it, it, it was oh, well. likely stolen. But yeah. um, they sold me my first guitar and a little, do you remember those Gorilla amps? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was this little yellow Gorilla <laughs> amp and it had built-in distortion. I remember the guy being like, don't use a distortion. Like you want to practice, and it's like, of course, you get home. The first thing you want to do is turn on the distortion. It's so it's so much easier to play with distortion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds so much cooler. Anything you do sounds better. I mean, but yeah, it's so funny. Like you know, they're they're like you know, don't do this. You want to kind of like get your technique down. It's like yeah, no kid cares about that. No, 
No. Yeah, I remember our mom, what I remember about that, and by the way, I meant to say this earlier, I also remember in our parents' car, like, there were always, like, these books, like, kind of like Dan Brown, but, like, all these books that you were probably about to return that were, like, always kind of... The best. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I couldn't do it the same day, so yeah, I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to hold on to these- books that I'd be like why do we have all these like discount all these discounted hardcover books yeah yeah like that yeah anyways but um I was gonna say I remember mom being like I can't her being like I can't take you to this place anymore because I think it's like not safe like it yeah yeah something it was really it was a really weird looking back because I would go I would go (sighs) they taught lessons in the basement and I remember I had this teacher who would just chain smoke cigarettes and teach me like seek and destroy and it was like dark down there and it was like their store i mean and then something happened with it i can't remember but like Uh. the guy (laughs) sold it and then it turned out he didn't own it anymore but then once he got the money he left the country or something like it it was some kind of crazy (laughs) story my mom was definitely plugged in and i had was totally oblivious no idea yeah yeah wow yeah Yeah. he's he's one of those guys he made it happen without without uh, actually owning the building. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like one exactly what you were talking about earlier. Um, and then I went to my te- another teacher, Dave Baker, who I still talk to, who is an incredible guitar teacher who still still plays um, and does a lot of great stuff. But uh, but yeah, it was exactly out of one of your stories yeah, that whole experience. It's that's amazing. So was crazy. he ever ever apprehended or? or, or I don't uh, know. You know, I didn't find out until after the fact, and I've tried to do some research on it, and I'm not <laughs> sure. But. Um, who knows? For all for all I know, he could still be could still be on the run. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being being on the run your whole life. Like, I know. It just must insane. I know. Insane. I can't. I can't imagine because I find it so hard to sometimes just relax. And I, yeah. and I'm, I'm not on the run. <laughs> I mean, yeah. imagine. Like, yeah. Well, Jonah, can you imagine like if your scam hadn't been stopped that day by Matt? I want to say his last name was Santa Barbara. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to use his last name. But, uh, <laughs> that's a great it's name. Just, it's such a crazy name. Yeah, hey, that's his last name, name Santa his Barbara. Matt Santa Barbara. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, <laughs> I would kill for that name. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think it's worth saying. I think he'd be excited that we're just wow. crazy. And he has a really responsible sister. She worked at Borders. But anyways. I wonder if like she hadn't stopped you that day, if things would have gotten even bigger. You know what I yeah. mean? Like what would have eventually well, gotten you I, to stop? I actually had drawn a line because I had told someone about this scam and they were like, oh, I like did a shortcut. I just took a book off a shelf and returned it. Whoa. And I was like, I was like, OK, that that is illegal like that. There's no gray area with that. So that right. was that was beyond it. So I felt like I I would have kept doing the same thing, thinking that uh yeah. Well, I guess eventually Walden Books and Borders would have both gone out of business. So they did. Probably... Yeah, they, right. they both did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. But do you think you would have gone bigger? Would you have gone to something bigger? <sighs> like bigger, like um, like like at a different store or just like different uh, products? Like like would you ever have done like a car or something? <laughs> Like, like buy a used car and then try to return it at a dealership. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know it's been done at least once in the history of Earth. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I was that ambitious back then, but uh, but maybe. You never know. Yeah. I don't well, know. You know, yeah. I think, I don't know if they still do, but I feel like when Nordstrom first opened at our mall, that was a thing with them. Because remember... <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but like Nordstrom would r- return anything. And then like... Um, Mom and dad had this friend and he brought his girlfriend over and she talked about how she worked. 
This is an insane story. She talked about how she worked at Nordstrom and someone once <laughs> returned this dress and like the she opened the box and the dress was completely <laughs> soaking wet. Yes. <laughs> With- and, she returned, and she was like, and I had to take it because like Nordstrom like accepts everything. So like, wow. I wonder if it's like, if you had kept doing it until the, until Beachwood Place had a Nordstrom, which is probably when you were about like 16 that that opened. Cause I remember because I was a member of the Nordstrom fashion board. Whoa. Not a big deal, but like kind of like is, a middle. What is that? <laughs> yeah. What is that? I have no, I don't know any of this stuff. So when Nordstrom opened at our mall, I was probably like 13 or something. No, I, no, that's not right. I was like 16. Cause I remember I used. <laughs> I like really pulled out all the stops in terms of um, my interview. So basically, they're like, we're interviewing teens to be part of the Nordstrom Fashion Board. And it was obviously just a way to get people to shop there. Like, it was just yeah. like a way to make it like, you know, more known that the Nordstrom was in town. Right. But I remember they like, I tried to dress like really cool for my interview. And then it was like, who's who's the, the most inspirational person in your life? And I remember talking about mom and just trying to really wow them, even though they accepted everyone <laughs> like it wasn't like anyway I remember being like my mom's so inspirational to me and I remember at the time like I you know I had just finished or I was still having my treatment for when I was like sick and I was like and I was like she's helped me through like so many hard times they probably were just like well, we don't care like we're just trying to get teens to like shop here so anyways I I got accepted I got accepted to the Nordstrom Fashion Board and then basically what it was was once a month they would have these like meetings like where you would learn different things about Nordstrom so like one month it was like they had like a specialist from like Mac makeup like show you kind of about makeup and I remember I was also really into school like I was really like serious about my homework and stuff so I remember just never wanting to go to these meetings and one one month they had us come like and they showed us how you like style a mannequin and then the other thing which I never I guess got to do even though I think I I I because I was again busy doing homework or whatever was you would go into the store and <laughs> which this used to be a thing that I feel like they don't really do at stores anymore, maybe because online shopping is so big, but, and they would give you like an outfit that they were selling and you would model it by like walking around the store in it, which yes. wow. is a thing that they used to do. Remember like stores would have, especially like, I feel like this was a big thing for like fur stores that would sell like fur jackets where like there would be a woman walking around in one where you'd just be like, how do you interact with that person? But yeah, so I remember like other people doing it, but I never got to do the modeling piece of it. But yeah, that was the Nordstrom Fashion Board. I think I went on three, me- I went to three meetings and then I quit. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I don't think I officially quit, but I just stopped going to the Fashion Board meetings. So kind of silence the group but um <laughs> when you're walking around the store you know like as a model or is it under the guise of of like shopping or is it clear that you're you're a model that's a great question i mean i feel like if i was doing it people wouldn't have necessarily known but i think you're supposed to i don't know like if you're supposed to be saying to people like you can get this outfit here or if you're just supposed to kind of act like you're wearing it and then people be like, that's a cool outfit. Where did you get it? That seems like too many steps. Like, I think yeah, they know right, right. they know what you're doing. Right. And Jonah, yeah. your friend worked at Nordstrom. There was a there was a girl in your grade who worked there. I can picture her, but I cannot think of her name. And she um, and the other thing about Nordstrom, which they still do, is that after you would buy something, they have to come around the counter and give it to you. They can't pass it over the counter. 
Wow. So, I but I that. cannot remember the name of, of this woman. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, and I, I think, um, you know, last thing I want to say about this is like, I also worked at a record store in high school. It's record store, ultrasound music. And, you know, talking about sort of like the kind of ethics of that era, we just had a whole wall of bootleg concerts. They sold bootleg oh, wow. t-shirts, every, I mean, everything. And I did my senior project there where like we have to work somewhere for a couple weeks. And I remember taking photos of stuff and the owner being like, don't take photos of that. <laughs> like you know it's like you could go in a store it's like no bands no labels were getting any money from this stuff but it was right it was just that was how it was in the 90s a little bit yeah 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 i also want to say something that will kind of be a nice button to this story talking about our first um instruments which is that you know our parents live in this condo now they're no longer in our childhood home and they ha- have been going through stuff and they wanted to get rid of our piano and they wanted to donate it and i guess in my mind we had like an incredible piano but i guess you know it's an older piano no one really wanted it so um my mom dropped my name like she was like you know vanessa bayer learned how to play piano on this piano and they took it oh wow So that's like a bit of a is that an ethical like it's i mean it's true they it's it's true but also you know, I think that flies in Cleveland. Maybe not. I'm. This is no burn to Cleveland. I love it. Maybe if that happened, in, I think in New York they'd be like, we don't give a fuck. But I guess <laughs> in Cleveland, which I don't big stuff. again, not yeah. not trying to burn Cleveland because you know, hometown pride. But um, but they took the piano. So well, there's there's you and Joe Esterhouse. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with John Worcester. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Okay, so we are back. Now, John... We're going to play a game with you now where we bring up kind of nostalgic things that are making a comeback. Yes. And um, if you're into them, you can give them a yes-stalgia. Yes-stalgia. And if you're not into them, you can give them a no-stalgia. No-stalgia. What if I don't know what they are? I think you'll be able to mostly know what these are. or We'll, we'll okay. do our best to explain them. Okay. But great question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the first thing is there's going to be a new Peanuts holiday special. However, instead of Charlie Brown, it's Lucy stepping into the spotlight. This description says this shows her trying to plan the perfect New Year's Eve party. And in as Linus details in the footage, Lucy's end of year mission comes about after being snubbed by their grandmother on Christmas. So basically, I watched the trailer. The grandmother decides not to come to their place for Christmas. It really affects Lucy. And so she decides to like throw this this New Year's party. And she's really kind of rigid about like the rules for like people coming on time and dressing up and stuff like that. What, what do you think, John? My first question is, does the grandmother have an actual speaking voice or is it the the, the, the adult sound? Well, I think that you, you don't know. I think she just doesn't come. Oh, OK. You don't know. Like, but I mean, it's possible she you hear a phone call or something where she That's calls in. OK, right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, who is it that said this? Wu-Tang is for the children. I think Peanuts is for the children. Got it. So I, th- I I think the children should always have Peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. So. Older, ODB said that. That's who said that. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I think Peanuts, I, 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 I'm for it. You're for it. You're giving y- yes, it a yes nostalgia. Yes Yeah. Yes okay, okay. from John. All right. Jonah, what about you? As you know, I'm, I'm a huge Peanuts fan. Huge. We went to the Charles Schultz Museum. We did in, go to the Charles ooh, Schultz Museum. I read, I read his book biography and got really into um the whole history behind peanuts and you know if you read the book john have you read the book the shelf book no i i know of it though yes it's really fascinating because a lot of stuff happening in his life it's pretty dark and it's a lot of stuff happening in his life he's kind of expressing through these comics wow okay um and it's really fascinating kind of like as like a psychological study so i got really into it um i started rebuying the old ones and then yeah we were on a family trip in california and there's a there's a museum um, where you can go, and and we went with our, our parents and Vanessa. We were out visiting family, and it, it was really oh, wow. cool. And I've, yeah. uh, I'm not as into like current peanut stuff, like it being licensed. Like I, I, I'm more of a purist, I guess. Right. But I am pro any sort of peanuts related stuff for the most part. Um, I'm cool with it. So I, I give this a, a definitely a yes, Dolce. What about you, Vanessa? I would give it a yes, Dolce too. Now I will say I was watching the trailer and it is, I mean, I guess 
I could have looked into this more, but obviously they have to change the voiceover actors because they're like kids. So it's like I, I, the Charlie Brown voice was, it was like interesting hearing everyone's voices because you're like, maybe that's something that's really nice about it is kind of what you're saying, John, is it's like, it's nice to bring new yeah. peanut stuff to kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm all for it, especially because I think it is nice that it's focused on Lucy. You know, Charlie Brown's gotten to do a lot of stuff. Love Charlie Brown. But I'm just saying, I think it's great that they're bringing it back. So I give it a yes, Dalja. Yeah. And if the, if the Schultz estate is listening to this, which I assume they are. Of course. You know, I know like, you know, we see them a lot of like peanuts in the MetLife insurance commercials. Like, let's let's just not be too loose with the licensing. Let's just let's just be picky with with where we want to put these characters, you know? Yeah, this isn't Kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This isn't kiss. <laughs> okay, Jonah, do you want to introduce our next topic for Yes Nostalgia? Yes, I do. Um, so this is actually a, a t- <laughs> I found this article and then the whole time I thought it was something different. It's about yes. the return of um, Mall Madness. Jonah, do you want to say what you thought it was the return? Of? I thought it was Marble Madness. And I was like, <laughs> Vanessa, we should talk about Marble Madness. I love that game. They're bringing back like marbles are going <laughs> to come back. Yeah, like, and, it's I remember, gonna be- and I was kind of like, I don't totally remember marble madness but i yeah kind of do but it turns out that it, the reason we were having kind of trouble remembering is because it isn't a real game <laughs> it was Not a real marble game. madness yeah it was mall madness which was by hasbro it was one of the most beloved board games of the 80s it combined shopping malls and atm cards for an amazing game that was surprisingly fun to play for the uninitiated which i'm assuming is all of us yeah, yeah. mall madness saw players control shoppers who had to manage a set amount of money while shopping for a list of six items, the game included a speaker that would announce where the sudden sales were being held so that the players could get the most bang for their buck. The new version of the game, according to Hasbro, have all the elements, including the ATM cards, <laughs> um, 22 shops, a shoe store, nail salon, and two new floors of stores. John, what do you think of the return of Mall Madness? Wow. I, I was <laughs> never aware of, of Mall Madness. Uh, yeah. I never yeah. knew about it. Me neither. So it's an actual board game. I didn't yes. know people still played board games. I yeah. think they do. Yeah, they must. I'm kind of into it. I mean, I I, I worked in a, in a in a mall for for years, and it ruined Christmas for me. But uh, maybe I would play that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I'm into this game. I'm into this game. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you're giving it a yes, Dalja. What about you, Vanessa? What's your What's your your take on Mall Madness. I can't believe that I wasn't into this. I guess I was more into Girl Talk and more specifically Girl Talk Dateline because I I can imagine they kind of in a gendered way, especially in the 80s, really um, targeted young girls with this with this game, especially given that it had, you know, a nail salon, etc. Although, I, you know, just given the times. But so um, I would say, you know, I'm into it. I think it's it's funny how it, Monopoly is a little bit of this too. Like when you're a kid, it's so fun to manage money. <laughs> I'm into it. I, I hope that they are successful with this new venture. I know malls are not as popular as they were in the 80s uh, these days, but I, I'm all for it. You know, maybe maybe it'll it'll also kind of give new life to the world of malls and maybe people will be more interested in them. I'm into it. I'm, I'm excited about it. What about you, Jonah? Well, like, like John, I also worked at a mall. I, this was pre-record store. I worked at a, a luggage store. Oh, I worked Ooh. there too for a summer. You did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I worked at this luggage store, Cleveland Trunk. Our dad's friend owned it. They had stores at a mall and then at another mall that was basically next door. And I worked at one of those little kiosks. Yeah. And so I sold backpacks, but they had an actual store like 
down the hall from me that had way more stuff. So I think I was more of like an advertisement. So I yeah, sold yeah. such few stuff. I mean, I basically just read, but I, I was at the mall a lot. So I, I, I think I'm conflicted about this. Like I like, I like the idea of board games. I like the idea of, of kids not just doing stuff on their phones or on screens. Um, but I do feel like a game where you're just like shopping and like, uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, like it's very, uh, I'm not sure that's the best messaging. So I, I'm conflicted, but I'm going to go with a nostalgia because just yeah. because it's a board game and let's, it's just a tactile thing. Let's, you know, let's interact with other people. Cool. Yeah. And I think as someone who is on the Nordstrom fashion board and kind of got the backs, you know, kind of got to see behind the scenes, um, how, a how a department store at a mall works, uh, you know, I think worthwhile. Yeah, that's true. Vanessa, do you want to introduce our last topic? Sure, I'd love to. Now, this one is um, a little controversial or dicey, some might say, for me, because I have sort of like a history with this brand and their commercial. Um, there's a new nostalgic planters peanut commercial starring Reginald Val Johnson, who was the dad on Family Matters. And it's kind of selling peanuts in a nostalgic way. Now, I've talked about this. I talked about this, I believe, on our Shallow Hell recap episode where um, when I was living in Chicago, I auditioned for one of the for a Planters commercial, which at the time I didn't say the brand, but I think it's kind of the only peanut brand that, anyways. But so I auditioned and I had to play like a um, I had to play a quote unquote like unattractive woman or like an ugly woman, and anyways, and and then you know we found the commercial and everything like that. But anyway, so I've always felt like who's in charge over at this brand, you know, like who's who's just coming up with these commercial ideas. But this one has Reginald Vell Johnson, who who we who we love, um, and I think we're gonna watch it really quickly. But I just wanted to point out a few things about it. One is again controversial for me because of my history with the, this brand. Um, Jonah's friend Sergio is in the commercial. We realize this is one of Jonah's friends from college, right? From Ithaca. Is that right, Jonah? Yeah, we he does a lot of acting now and producing. And yeah, Vanessa sent me this. She's like, "This is your friend?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I was in a band with this. We were in a David Bowie tribute band. We were in a indie band called City of Robots, a very kind of built to spill esque band." And so yeah, I, I know this guy pretty well. I mean, okay, so that's pretty interesting. And then also speak like. This actor, Reginald Vell Johnson, on Family Matters, he always really reminded me of our dad, Todd, and also a huge Family Matters fan. I don't know if you guys are as well, but I always really love that show. So there's a lot happening with this commercial. And why don't we watch it and then we can kind of talk about whether we're into it or not. Jared, where are you? I'm holiday. There you go. to be together so feather up those bangs grab your shoulder padded sweater we're decking the halls no one is taking any calls except for uncle billy buying futures on strip malls so basically jonah's friend sergio not playing himself playing a you know a guy gets sucked into like an 80s music video his family and everybody's dressed really 80s and then somehow, like, I don't totally get like, and again, I know I have my feelings about them, but like, there's like a ornament on the tree that's like of, a plan of the planner's peanut guy. And then he gets like a gift that has like a photo of him. I, I just, to me, 
I guess what they're saying is at the end of the commercial, like we've been around over the holidays for so many years, which you could say about like basically anything that's been around for a long time because the holidays happen every year. So like get ready for the holidays this year and like buy planners peanuts and you'll also get like, you know, you could win some nostalgic stuff or something. John, did you know Vanessa used to work in advertising? <laughs> I really no, did. No, no. <laughs> it's true. Maybe it's why I'm extra hard on these commercials. You're I mean... very hard on these commercials. <laughs> very, very, very much so. My my big takeaway is, should I be offended or flattered that Sergio's hair in this 1980s throwback <laughs> is exactly what my present day hair looks like? <laughs> I think flattered. I think it's come. Okay. I think it's come full circle. I think okay. your hair looks fantastic, John. Well, well, John, what do you think? Do you, are you in? I, I don't. This this one doesn't fit into the game as neatly as like a product that would be coming back or a show or something. But right, are you into this whole? I guess nostalgic campaign. I think it's nostalgic. I believe it is. Whoa, yeah, yes, that's what they want you to call it. It's weird to be at a point in life where the, the stuff that's getting kind of spoofed in these nostalgic things is an era where you were kind of already fully formed or I was you know, right, like right, as, an adult, right. as, as an adult. So, so it, it's, it's weird to be at that place in life, but I enjoyed it. I felt like the one woman looked a little bit like Susanna Hoffs and in the bangles and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. everyone was having fun. And you know, if we're, if we can't have fun with peanuts, what, what have we got? Right, 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 right. Totally. So you're giving it a yes, Dalja. I, I think so. I think so. I, I, I have to remove myself from any kind of, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't take it personally. Right. Yeah. You know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> Fair enough. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Now, Jonah, what about you? I'm going to give it a yes, Dalja. I mean, yeah, I mean, Sergio, I think, is is incredibly funny, Sergio Tilly, and so it's great to see him in it. Mm-hmm. I also like the, um, Vanessa, I don't know if you picked up on this, like, there's a lot of, like, controversy i feel like every year about whether die hard is or isn't a christmas movie right and with reginald vell johnson being in it i didn't even think about yeah, that so i think when she's like oh, yes it is like i think that's a reference to, oh was he to, in the movie yeah he's yes. in the movie oh, yeah he's in the yeah. movie okay. he's a, he plays the cop in the movie so i think like there that's it. kind of a wink at that so i think that's I pretty it. um i like that clever for you know a, a peanut commercial i know vanessa you have your own issues with the brand um, right. and i don't want to you know, I'm going to side with you over 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 no, no, planners no, no, no. any day of the week. Yeah. But as far as this specific commercial, yeah, um, I think it's a nostalgia. I think I think it's it's really funny, and um, I, I I can get behind it. What what about you? Well, you know, look, I I love Reginald Ville Johnson. I think you know, again, love family matters, and you know, I know Sergio's your friend. You know, fan of Sergio too. So like the thing that kind of j- that you said just now that really pushed me over the edge of being into it was when you said the thing about that is very clever that they said is it a holiday movie about Die Hard that was kind of like an extra layer that they threw in to me that's really interesting that they did that and very smart and so as much as I have like a you know issues at times with this brand and their commercials I'm going to give it a nostalgia as well wow well, this was so much fun, John. We had such a great time with you. Um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Well, I'm not going to give out my address, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm uh, no, I, I'm I'm on all the all all the socials under John Worster, J O N W U R S T E R. 
that that's where I can be found. And I've dug my own grave with this. So send your horrible photos through uh, <laughs> DM on Instagram and I'll I'll uh, be upset by them. And check out the new Super Chunk record when it comes out. Yes. New Super Chunk record coming February. Uh, that's the big stuff. M- Mountain Goats have some year end shows. I'm not sure when this is going to a- air. But uh, and uh, Tom and I are still doing the best show after 75 years. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll continue to do it. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming by, John. This was so great. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode. How did we get weird? Where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural milestones, like our first instruments. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.